this week's Oxcast, your weekly roundup for the best events happening in and around Oxford. Today's date is Wednesday the 10th of February and I'm here with Michael. Holla. And Orla. Hey. What have you guys got? Um, this week I'm going to be talking about events involving human rights and zombies. And I've got some amazing Mongolian music and anti-Valentine's events. And I've got a play about Welsh miners, a talk on the Romanovs and love-themed events. But to kick us off, it's our Oxford fact. Michael, what have you got for us? Okay. Well, I can often and annoyingly be heard describing Oxford as a fitty of a city. It's really <laughs> beautiful. Um, but now that has been substantiated with some actual research. So a supplement brand called Adapt Nutrition. Anyone? No. no me neither. Surveyed 2,000 people in the UK. And I concluded that residents in Oxford do more exercise than those who live in any other city. Mm. 74% of us claim to work out at least once a week. I say us, so it's clearly in bed think, at the time or I something. I think that's just because a lot of people cycle, and so that's they're claiming that as the... I mean, mm. fair enough, but it's a cycle city. That's a very good point. Yeah, It is pretty much a workout. Especially Headington Hill. Okay, well, let's see if we can explain this one. Oxford residents are also amongst the most likely to follow a nutritional plan. Oh, wow. Ah. Nope. No, yeah, I, I've... <laughs> <laughs> Food, eat food. I don't really know what a nutritional plan is. <laughs> exactly. Um, I plan to be nourished. Yes. Deliciously nourished. <laughs> and was not surveyed. Um, Manchester and Liverpool came second and third. Um, dear old Newcastle was named the least fit city with only 22% of the population. Is that the fattest city? Um, the fattest? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they said only 22% um, of Newcastleonians. Said they, there you go said they exercised at least once a week. I would say that this, this means Newcastle is more honest than yeah. we are. I was going to ask, what do you think the percentage is in Oxford that people are lying? <laughs> I don't know, I'd have to do a... Do a truth test mm. on 2,000 people. With Robert De Niro and a lithograph. Well, congratulations, Oxford. <laughs> I, yeah, we're, we're doing really well. Um, I'm, to reward myself, I'm going to give up exercise for Lent. <laughs> <laughs> on to the events for this week. Land of Our Fathers is being performed at the Northwall Arts Centre tonight, and tonight only. That's got to be a Welsh, some, something Welsh. Oh, it's very like Welsh, <laughs> very Welsh. Um, and I managed to have a chat with Taylor, who plays Chewy, and Thomas, who plays Curly, and asked them about the plot. Basic kind of outline is six Welsh miners, well, five Welsh, one Polish, stuck down a mine, landslide to begin with, stuck down there, and it's about the relationships, how they deal with, you know, rationing, being confined in a small space with each other. The timeline is 1979, so it's just before Thatcher's been inaugurated, so it's, you know, they're counting her vote, so we don't know what's happened. We've been to the polling station that morning, so it's imminent, the imminent doom, if you will, if you're Welsh, but maybe you don't think it's doom when she does come in. And we're all underground and we get stuck, so we don't know mm. what the outcome is happening on above us, and we're stuck. Okay. Although that being quite a minor... Um, Excuse the pun. Uh, being quite a minor fraction of the play, isn't it? That's yeah. Kind of so it's not so much focused on the political aspect. No, or the era. It, in my opinion, it could be set any time. You know, any, it's about the relationships and being stuck in this confined space and how they deal with each other. It can straddle any sort of era because it's just about men 
essentially and how they behave in that work environment and how the struggle of what it is to be a man in an old fashioned sort of sense in the yeah. bloke blokey bloke you don't you know one of the lines is I, men don't talk about their feelings that would be pointless yeah. so it's unravelling the idea of what it is to be a bloke I think but then they are forced to obviously talk about feelings and yeah. stuff like that and sentimental things to them which is the nice thing about it you wouldn't normally hear this Listen to the full Otscast Extra interview to find out how they created their brotherly relationship, how Thomas worked on his Valley's accent, and why they think the miners' strike has become such a popular subject in recent years. So that's Land of Our Fathers at the Northwall Arts Centre tonight at 7.30. Tickets start at £14 or £12 for concession. The Oxford Human Rights Festival starts today at Oxford Brookes University. It's running until Saturday and there are um, loads of events on um, every day between uh, today and Saturday and everything is free. Um, it's been going for a few years now and the two flagship events of this year's festival are actually now fully booked, but unsurprisingly so. So the, one, the first is a screening of Suffragette, which will be introduced by the director Sarah Gavron, that's on tonight, and a screening of He Named Me Malala tomorrow night, which will be introduced by Malala's father, Ziadun uh, Yousafzai. Um, so if you're interested in that kind of calibre event, make sure you look out for the festival next year. But I've picked a few of the things that look particularly interesting over the next few days. Um, and again, everything is free. So tomorrow lunchtime at 12.30, there'll be a double bill of short films, Death of Schengen and Emigrant, both on the theme of refugees. On Friday at 5.30, there'll be a performance involving reading and music and at seven o'clock there'll be a dance workshop with Ahmed Masood and then you could pretty much spend all of Saturday at Brooks I think it's, it is a really good um, program in particular on Saturday so at 12 30 there'll be screenings of short films Larry and Janet Move Out and Not Just Homeless. Not Just Homeless is a film made by members of the Oxford homeless community and students last summer um, I think it premiered at the UPP in October um, so homegrown really interesting um, a film on homelessness. Uh, then, at, then at three o'clock there'll be a screening of the award-winning film *God Grew Tired of Us*, which is about the epic journey of uh, a group of Sudanese lost boys who are uh, the lost boys are those displaced or orphaned by the Second Sudanese Civil War. Um, they travelled a thousand miles on foot across the Sahara as part of their journey on the way to the U.S. Um, for a better life. Um, it, it's about ten years old now, but won loads of awards when it was when it came out. Then at 5.30, there'll be a performance of Broke by Ice and Fire, which is a theatre company who focus on exploring human rights stories through performance. And Broke tells stories of women experiencing poverty. And the last event of the festival is a screening of the 2012 drama Promised Land, starring Matt Damon, Francis McDormand, John Krasinski and Rosemary DeWitt. And it's about um, a salesman played by Matt Damon who travels to a rural community in the US uh, to buy up the drilling rights to land, to frack the land, um, and that film will be followed by a Q&A with members of Friends of the Earth. Um, but yeah, there's, there's loads of other stuff going on, all the events are free, and everything's hosted at the John Henry Brooks building. There's also an exhibition that'll be running in the glass tank um, the whole time as well, so you can just drop in to um, look at some of the artwork and crafts um, on display there. But yeah, find more information on our website or on Oxford Brooks' website. Sounds amazing. Mm, it's a really good programme. Now, if, like us, you've been enjoying watching War and Peace on the BBC, we've been having long discussions about the plot points in the office, <laughs> um, this, this book launch might be for you. 
So it's Simon Sebag Montefiore's launch of his historical book on the Romanovs, which is called The Romanovs, uh, 1613 to 1918. Um, This book has been described by The Telegraph as a glorious history of the Romanov dynasty, bursting with blood, sex and tears. So this is Natasha and Nikolai and... Is it that family from War and Peace? That's what I thought, but I think it's actually... Do you remember Alexander, the guy who everyone was trying to impress in the palace? Is he the kind of annoying one that was friends with Gillian Anderson? No, not quite. Oh, no, I don't remember him. No, he was quite a minor part. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was wondering the same thing. <laughs> so I didn't know much about the Ronoffs, and I didn't realise they'd been around that much. They ruled a sixth of the world's surface and then lost it all obviously, mm-hmm. with the rise of communism in Russia. And they had a pretty uh, tumultuous history, to be honest. Six out of the 20 Romanov Tsars were murdered. Those not good odds. That's not, it's not good odds. Um, I've just picked out some nice ones. Peter the Great tortured his son to death while that, establishing an empire. That's not nice. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> um, and while he was doing all this, he was also hosting lewd parties full of drunkenness, naked dwarfs and fancy dress. <laughs> uh, Catherine the Great overthrew her husband and then had him murdered soon afterwards. She sounds like quite a cool lady, apart from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, her unpopular son, Paul I, was strangled by courtiers backed by his own son, Alexander, who's in War and Peace. Um, and Alexander, who faced Napoleon's invasion and the burning of Moscow, then went on to conquer Paris. Don't get me started on later Romanos, it's just it just goes downhill. <laughs> Especially when Rasputin gets involved. So... <laughs> So Simon will be talking to historian Andrew Roberts about his book and I imagine there'll be opportunities for Q&As. We're going to have a review of this talk so if you can't make it definitely make sure to read the review. So that's Simon Sebag Montefiore and the Romanoffs at Waterstones Bookshop on Thursday at 7pm. Tickets are £5 or £3 if you've got a Waterstones card. If you fancy some live music that's a bit different or are into what's weirdly called world music. I like music that's not from the world. Um, there's an excellent night at St Barnabas's Church in Jericho this Friday. And a union, are a brilliant nine-piece band from Inner Mongolia um, who toured the UK before in 2013 and they got together at Music College in Hohot, their capital city. Two H's together, I figure it's got to be guttural. Hohot. There they were able to integrate traditional musical forms like throat singing to sing two or three notes at once. If you if you like your world music, then think of Tuvan Folk Collective Hunhurtu as a reference point. And Andy Union, like them, uh, make efforts to appeal to a Western sensibility. Again, whatever that is. From the band themselves, their music uh, draws from all the Mongol tribes that Genghis Khan unified. I'm quite impressed that they're able to distinguish between the different tribes because it was quite a brutal unification of all the tribes. It's impressive they still got these traditional styles continuing all these years later. They, Yeah, they do. They've been a little bit under threat in the last century, though, which I'll get on to. Is the capital the capital of Inner Mongolia or something? Because it's that's not... Um, no, it's of Inner Mongolia, okay. which is in China. I had no idea that it was in China. I didn't know Inner Mongolia was in China. Yeah, it's on the border. I, I just thought it was further in, closer to everything else. Yeah. And now the Mongolia was just further away. Uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's an autonomous region at the top of the Republic of China. Okay, actual music. Though they have vocals, flute, uh, lutes, and a variant of the mouth harp, the main instrument is the wonderful horsehead fiddle, um, which is like a 
two-string cello, or it's held like a cello, uh, with a little trapezoid box, like a tiny, tiny box instead of massive cello body. Um, more portable, I suppose. Um, with a horse head carved in the top. Very beaut. Um, and nearly a third of the um, Inner Mongolian population is still nomadic or semi-nomadic. So the songs that their various communities wrote, there's, there's a lot about horses, really. They're praised, appreciated and impersonated in the songs. Yeah, I had fun listening to that earlier on. The percussion can muster quite a gallop and you'd be amazed at how you can make these horse-head things winny. Like, mm-hmm. It sounded quite realistic. Um, I like it when f- folk musicians get um, kind of evangelical about what they do and that often happens when their culture is at risk. So the group are on a mission to um, kind of re-engage young Mongols, uh, many of whom have apparently forgotten how to speak their own language or it's just um, not the lingua franca anymore. Um, and indeed one of the band members is hard at work to open a bar in in, in the capital, in Hohot, where she will, um, where she's going to promote music. Um, and I love this. So she finds in, in a charity shop or equivalent, um, she finds an old golden wheel with half its spokes broken, which looks like one of the wheels from one of the warrior carts of the great Mongol armies, <laughs> he said. And she said, she hasn't got the bar yet, but I will hang this wheel in the bar as a warning to Mongolian people that our culture is broken and needs to be mended. Love that. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Um, so you can hear Andy Union uh, keeping Inner Mongolian music alive um, at St Barnabas Church this Friday. It's at 8pm and tickets are £17, available in the drugstore and everywhere else. So next week is half term and usually all the museums and galleries in Oxford are doing special things, uh, particularly child friendly, family friendly activities. One of the ones we're most excited about is at the Story Museum Uh, and we went to have a look round the new exhibition which they are racing to finish, (laughs) uh, which is quite exciting because we saw it still with some step ladders and some paintbrushes in hand uh, and it makes it look even more like a stage set Mm. than it would otherwise. So the new exhibition is called Animal, a safari through stories. Uh, and I quite like the picture of a safari because that's, uh, that shows how active they like everything to be. So mm. stories you think of sort of sitting in a warm armchair reading, but they're very much about stories as active rather than passive things. Um, so there are lots of ways animals are used in stories, of course. There's uh, very naturalistic human um, facets of human behaviour, there's ecological um, aspects, there's sort of very uh, looking at history through um, animals like war horse and so on Mm -hmm. Um, and of course there are all the world stories as well so the exhibition starts with a series of very beautiful wall hangings they've had commissioned uh, showing stories um, about animals from different continents so there's one wall hanging all about sort of um, Asia, Japan and, and China and so on and the, the decorations are all very beautiful and they all match up with stories and you can hear them read either by children from St Ebb's school or from professional storytellers <laughs> or both alternately if you want to um, I think everyone knows the Northern Lights stories, Jungle Book and so on, but they've also got some much more obscure or newer authors um, featured as well, which is really nice. Uh, One of the most bizarre is um, 
The Last Wild by Piers Torday, which is set in a futuristic uh, prison where this this poor lad is imprisoned uh, with only a talking cockroach for company. So I think that it requires a bit of a strong stomach to, to go into that one. Um, so they've got a whole series of moments from the story that you can go into. So the upstairs floor uh, is is done out in sort of little alcoves from a library. Um, and each alcove will have a different story that you can go and uh, go and play in, and um, they've got uh, some wonderfully inventive props. So one of the uh, things you get given is a length of plastic plumbing pipe, uh, and there are a number of things you can do with this, uh, including some sort of letterbox flaps, uh, and you poke the pipe through the letterbox bristles, and you can hear just a little snippet of a story <laughs> being read. Uh, but they wanted to make sure that the stories weren't sort of just on a loop, booming out to everybody and, and being mm. slightly sort of sinister. So, yeah. so these are rather secretive ones oh, you have to go cool. listen to. Um, and with the lights and sounds and that kind of stuff, it really does feel like you're sort of on stage in, in a play that, that you're acting in or, or, or possibly backstage somewhere. Mm. But it's, it's not a, a museum in the traditional sense, which is rather nice. Um, and it's it's all in the most amazing building, so you've probably seen it uh, down Pembroke Street uh, next to the the, the little G and D's on St Aldate's. Uh, if you go down there, you'll see the telephone box, which uh, you you peer into, and of course <laughs> they've done out the the inside of this telephone box with snippets of magical storyland, um, and that gives you a real picture of the sort of the, the the sense they're trying to get out of stories, I think, and their approach to things. Um, and there are some permanent exhibits as well, so. Uh, there's a, a Narnia. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> oh, it's just magical. <laughs> Which is so well loved yes. by everybody that they can't close it. So it keeps <laughs> reappearing at different exhibitions. Um, there's uh, a room called Time for Bed which features a bed which is, what, about 20 foot square, I think? It was enormous. <laughs> you do feel like you've sort of been dwarfed. Um, and you go and choose a story and a, a cuddly toy, and then you can go and read it on the bed. Oh. And uh, my favourite bit, I think, is the talking throne, <laughs> uh, which uh, you, you pick your, your title and, and your location you come from and you, your, your dressing up outfit. <laughs> Um, and then you, you hold up your, your plaque and then the throne will announce you, <laughs> which wow. is great fun. You, you, there are endless combinations. You could spend hours in there. Can I order one of those for my house? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's quite large with all the trumpets and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a bit of space dedicated. Um, yeah, so, so the building itself is really, really like a labyrinth, but they've added in a whole lot of extra doorways and bits of furniture that they've reclaimed from things <laughs> including some of the university skips I think so uh, so you'll suddenly come across a door that's out of one of the college chapels or <laughs> just bits of bookcase from Greenwich Naval College and it's, it's extraordinary um, and it's a really nice place to go and play in anyway um, and it's got a cafe as well and, and all sorts of things going on there um, and so over half term they're running a whole lot of workshops um, there are things for various different age groups including sort of animation workshops with some of the Ardman people and things like that um, so I guess those will sell out quite quickly um, and then there are lots of story times and, mm. and things for younger kids as well um, the tickets are £7.50 for adults and £5 for children and nicely they count children as 2 to 18 which mm. is quite unusual <laughs> um, under 2 is a free 
um, and concessions and children are five pounds uh, and if you're going to go more than three times in a year then you might want to look at a season ticket which they're very reasonable prices um, and I believe they also do a crossover ticket with the Roald Dahl Museum so if you're feeling literary and you want to go and see both uh, they're open most days so Tuesday to Saturday 10 till 5 Sundays 11 till 4 and in the holidays they're open Mondays as well so for half term and for Easter holidays Mondays 10 till 5 as well and yeah this this uh, exhibition is open this Saturday we are assured <laughs> we're painting through the night to get there uh, and it closes at the end of March I think so uh, yeah you've got a while to go and visit and we'd recommend it highly definitely like whether you've got you're taking kids along or not it's worth a visit yes i will take uh, take my son but he is only 10 months so really he's yeah. just the excuse to look <laughs> like i'm going for his benefit <laughs> brilliant thank you jen thank you <laughs> sounds joyous yeah it really is like it's a joyful place i must i've still never been in you should you really should for full listings of what talks are happening in and around oxford make sure to look at our what's on guide under talks be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any other podcast provider uh, to make sure that you get the podcast straight to your device every Wednesday. And if you've been inspired to get fit and bring up the average even further, um, check out our sports equipment page. As I'm sure you're all aware, love is in the air this weekend, whether you like it or not. So we thought we'd offer you some pro and anti-Valentine's Day events that are happening in Oxford. In the red corner. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I'd take on the pros. First up, there's a Valentine's quiz night happening at the Bullingdon on Sunday. Now this is being put on by the Calero Carnival organisers and should be a lot of fun. We actually wrote a round for this quiz. Yeah, we wrote the general knowledge round. I think there's a news round being provided by the Oxford Mail, um, music round by... Truck. And movie round by UPP. UPP. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Uh, There's a foodies round by Martin Sott. Uh, who wrote the Cali Row cookbook, and a Valentine's round from Heart FM, of course. <laughs> um, so there are prizes galore and a Wheel of Fortune, which I'm sure will lead to more prizes. It's being hosted by Oxford Mail's Mark West, and it starts at 7.30, and it costs £3 to enter, and all the proceeds go towards Cali Row Carnival. For lovers of music... Oxford Philharmonic Orchestra are hosting a special Valentine's Day concert at the Sheldonian on Sunday at 7.30pm. Um, they will be featuring uh, music, they'll be featuring the fanfare for The Common Man by Copland, uh, Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue and Bernstein's West Side Story. Tickets will cost between £10 and £42, so make sure to book early to not be disappointed. Okay, and the supposedly anti, I don't know what the Valentine's version of a Grinch is. I think it's a Disney witch or something, isn't it? Yeah. Well, they, those witches try and keep the princess Lovers. away from the prince. Cause... Yeah. Okay, I will be that Disney witch. So on Friday at the East Oxford Community Centre, there's an Andy Valentine's Cayley uh, by The Red Cayley. I wonder what's so anti-Valentine's about it. Okay, so maybe it's not anti-Valentine's. You're not actively sabotaging anyone else's Valentine's <laughs> evening. It's um, The idea is more that you spend your... Uh, spend your Friday night dancing with mates and um, the great thing about uh, Kaylee is how uncoupling it is and uh, that it's much more group centric. No couples um, allowed then? No, maybe. well, probably. <laughs> you, I'm sure you would be turned away but you can pretend. Um, and if you really don't know your stuff then the collisions and the stepping on each other are part and parcel of the fun. 
Um, so yeah, there's no need to know the dances in advance and as a caller to help out. What do you think could be the most anti-Valentine's event, though, if someone were to organise it? Can I mention the, the Castle Unlocked thing? What's the Castle Unlocked thing? Oh, is that when you get locked in a cell for a night? Yeah. Yeah, so mm. this is billed as a pretty much pro-Valentine thing. Um, but yeah, you get locked in with <laughs> into a cell uh, with your Valentine for an evening to remember. <laughs> 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 exactly. Yeah. Remember when we were incarcerated together, darling? Um, <laughs> and, and, you know... The, the food's probably wonderful, um, but okay. So I, I misread it. The the lovely sentence. How about savoring the experience in the atmospheric candlelit crypt? I misread it. How about surviving the experience? <laughs> Wait, yeah, I, I'd actually quite like to survive Valentine's Day if possible. Um, there are still some cells. <laughs> <laughs> it's so horrible. <laughs> I just can't. If you, I, oh. I, I, I think it's quite funny. <laughs> if you properly wanted to sabotage other people's Valentine's Day, you could put on. You could sort of advertise a screening of Casablanca or, you know, something romantic, and then it actually turns out to be The Exorcist or, oh. <laughs> <laughs> or something where everyone dies. That yeah, would be quite fun. That'd be quite good. <laughs> I was thinking like a game show where you have to test your knowledge um, about the other person, but you've rigged the answers so they're wrong each time, mm, yeah, and then yeah, let the arguments ensue. Wow. Yeah. This is like That's militantly anti-Valentine. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, if you did want to go to see a film this week, there are a couple of fun ones out. Uh, so the first one I picked is Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which Katie, I know so you're really excited, excited about. So this is a costume horror comedy adapted from a popular Seth Graham Smith novel. Um, he also wrote Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and uh, Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. Correct. I think you've, you've read a few of them. I've maybe. read uh, both of those, yes. <laughs> uh, so it's... Pride and Prejudice, but set in the aftermath of a widespread zombie outbreak. And in this version, women are considered accomplished if they have mastered embroidery, the piano, and the art of warfare. Um, the film stars Lily James as Lizzie Bennett, uh, Sam Riley as Colonel Darcy, as well as Matt Smith, Lena Headey, and Charles Dance, among the rest of the cast. It's on at the Phoenix tonight and at the View from tomorrow. And my other uh, cinematic pick is Rams, which is an Icelandic film about two rival sheep farming brothers who haven't spoken in 40 years despite living next door to each other. <laughs> and basically there's a, a prospect of this, an outbreak of a disease among their flocks and then they're faced with the prospect of either having to come together to thwart the authorities so that their flocks don't get culled or, you know, if, if they stay too bitter then everyone, all the sheep will die. Um, it looks like really uh, sort of very Nordic in its sort of uh, approach to its humour, so very, very deadpan, kind of wry humour, um, and looks generally lovely. That's at the Phoenix from Friday, running all week. If you're looking to find a last-minute Valentine's present for your loved one, I've seen a very attractive cuddly heart pillow on our other sales page. Have you not bought it already? Not yet, <laughs> no. For full event listings um, of and details of everything we've spoken about and many other events, go to dailyinfo.co.uk, where there are hundreds or maybe thousands of events listed for Oxford and Oxfordshire. Or to stay daily informed, um, follow us on social media. Um, we're at Daily Info Oxford on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Daily, daily, daily info. Mm. Daily, daily, daily info. Daily, daily, daily info. Daily, daily, daily info.